take a seat, sit back, relax, and welcome to the Claycast. Um, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Just say who you are. Well, I've been on the podcast before, but uh, if you guys don't recognize me with the haircut, my name is Lincoln. I'm Taylor. I've not been on the podcast before, but I'm stoked to be here. And I am Remy, and I have also not been on the podcast before. So uh, thank you for coming on. Um, you know, I just thought, you know, we're all having a good time. We're going to hit a nightclub tonight. Uh, I'm excited for that. Maybe. Um, maybe. <laughs> wow, you're maybe for me. Don't give me the maybe bullshit. Okay, 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 maybe. But, uh, you know, we just thought maybe we would record a podcast before. So thank you guys for coming on. Yeah, um, no Yeah, right before this. Um, uh, I don't know the exact date right now off the top of my head, but there's like a massive storm that's going on. So like we've been watching uh, like the waves just go crazy. Yeah. No, I just checked this morning. Um, I went down to break wall and just freaking there's like sand all the way up on the road. And like the the news was there and like all the locals were just like on the wall and just like, I don't know, it was pretty macking. Yeah, no, it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. My stepdad is saying it's like the biggest storm we've had in like 25, 50 years. Like I it's crazy to witness the surf is like gigantic. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, no, I think it's really cool. But uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit before we got into the podcast. Uh, you know, uh, we just thought it would be kind of an interesting topic to talk about just like psychedelics because, hey, that, 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 that's, a, that's a cool thing. We're going to be like the Joe Rogan podcast, you know, where we talk about just drugs and everything. But, uh, you know, Remy, he's uh, really into like spirituality and he just think like he just has like a lot of knowledge of like what that what psychedelics could do with mental health so Remy if you want to just talk about it a little bit yeah so I am currently studying uh psychedelics in uh mental health and that kind of overlap and kind of how we can use these different psychedelics to treat different sorts of mental um illnesses like for instance there are instant there are studies that have shown that um a single high dose of magic mushrooms or a series of two or three high doses in a controlled and supervised setting can be incredibly helpful in the treatment of major depressive disorder and other related diseases. So that is some really promising uh, research that we're looking at in the field of psychology that um, honestly, we haven't had the uh, kind of space to talk about in the realm of psychology since uh, the late 1950s, early 1960s, before the kind of war on drugs was started. Um, but we are getting a lot of uh, progress in, especially with like the way that these drugs are scheduled and the way that um, it, its research is being set up now. Uh, I know Oregon just legalized psychedelic mushrooms. There is a dispensary in, I believe, San Francisco, and there are a few dispersed throughout Colorado. So we're seeing um, a lot of interesting uh, um, and really promising developments in that sort of space. I, I honestly, I just want to say, like, I would be 100% down to try, like, magic mushrooms and all that. Like, I know you, Blake, are not very prominent on taking them because you're such in a good headspace right now. But like, I'm not saying I'm not in a good headspace, but like, I don't know. I'm just curious, like what kind of like opens up in your head? Like, 
Yeah, and I think yeah. it's kind of interesting, like, Remy, you and me were talking about, like, the stoned ape theory. Like, yeah. I, I'd i like to believe that that's true, that, like, our ancient ancestors just took a bunch of mushrooms and then got big-brained. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting, and there's a few different facets to that type of theory. Like, there's the 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 prominent one that everyone talks about. It's like, literally, we ate mushrooms, and then our brains grew and developed into more complex things and uh, more complex machines that have better wiring and more are more efficient and we're able to develop things like language and um communication and the the way that we use tools and stuff um which is a little bit more highly scrutinized than a theory that i think a lot of professionals in human evolution would semi agree with is that we've interacted with these psychedelic compounds whether it be mushrooms or dmt in the form of like acacia or ayahuasca or any sorts of those compounds like we've been interacting with these compounds for hundreds of thousands of years like Mm -hmm. we know that they existed in the valley of life where human evolution kind of picked up and where we got really smart really fast and we know that we interacted with them so kind of the question is how much did they have to do with it that's a up for debate, but I think most people would agree that it had something to do with it. So hypothetically speaking, if we fed our pets <laughs> psychedelic mushrooms, we'd be able to talk to our dogs with evolution and all that. So like let's say we start breeding dogs with psychedelic mushrooms. <laughs> okay. I can't advise Maybe. that, but I mean, in a hundred thousand years, I mean, that's, that's so unethical, but like if you had proposed that 40 years ago, I'm sure some scientists would have been like, in the FBI would have been like, yeah, let's throw that on top of, um, all that, all that crazy stuff that they were doing back in the sixties with project MK. I was just, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. Dude, just give Bunny the dog a button that says shrooms, and then they can consent. Like, it's okay. <laughs> the little but, the, the little buttons that make dogs. Yeah, happen. literally. But Remy, I actually have a question for you about yeah. how we've been interacting with psychedelics through yeah. all this time, through history. How do you think that's played a role in religion and spirituality? Do you think there's any connection between psychedelics and those two topics? Well, my personal belief, and I get a lot of flack for this from religious scholars, is that they're the the basic idea that religion has, and this is consistent with a lot of experience of psychedelic users, is that, like, a common thing that you'll hear from psychedelic users is, like, if you take enough, you'll see God, or you'll meet God, or you'll be (laughs) (laughs) face-to-face with God. And it's like, well, if these people were seeing God and interacting with God, doesn't it stand to reason that they were humans just like us, so they needed some other inputs to, to access that type of spirituality. And there's a lot of evidence that um, is really interesting and really promising that, that like, for instance, there are some sects of Christianity where uh, uh, magic mushrooms are a holy sacrament and are to be treated with highest respect and that everyone should partake in this holy sacrament. And that doesn't really align with um, modern medical research. Mm -hmm. We think that there are certain types of people um, that are have genetic coding that makes them disposed to um, like HPPD, which is the prolonged um, 
instance of a psychedelic trip that can affect for years and years after you take it or schizoid incidents like on the schizophrenia spectrum after psychedelic use. So we know that it, this is a risk and it can trigger these types of things, but we know we also know a lot about it. So we can do these as long as we're doing these things responsibly and we're progressing the way that we have been, which has been very slowly. We've been doing it the right way through the proper legal systems and um, it's, it's been a really, um, it's been a really great field, uh, to, to hop into now because of all the leeway that we've gotten in, um, in the law so far. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you probably won't be able to hear it like in the thing, but Lincoln just pressed a sound on my thing that does like the, like that he made a joke. So that's just what we heard but uh no i think all of it's like really interesting and i like the like the idea that or like like the story in the bible where like moses was listening to the burning bush like how that was like said to be like a just someone like going through a trip yeah yeah i mean we can we can hypothesize that the burning bush story if it actually took place which that's obviously a widely debated issue if the things in the bible actually took place um, but if it were to have taken place, it's quite possible that it could have been a small acacia tree that was on fire. And we know that acacia in the bark of an acacia tree exists um, 5-MeO-DMT or dimethyltryptamine, which is the strongest psychedelic substance that is known to humankind. <laughs> and it makes sense that in the uh, in this story, there were people walking by the burning bush, and they didn't stop and they didn't observe it. But when Moses stopped and observed it, he started having visions and hearing God. And so, if you essentially what he did was nature made him smoke DMT. Like, <laughs> how do you is know? Is my hypothesis of that? Well, I've done a lot of. Um, study into research. I just took a class last semester at ASU about um, research of religion in the modern world and how kind of the secular frame that we have for research of of how of of or sorry for the progression of religion how it we we separate the religious and the secular and then we develop the two independently and then they fall out from each other and they separate and become two opposing factors or, or factions we don't see that in other societies that are still maintain religious uh what we call embeddedness or like the amount to which you are interacting with the church or religious authority so like in Muslim countries, we see a high level of religious embeddedness, and we don't see a strong frame for secularization. So it stands to reason that their, uh, the amount that, to which they interact with religion isn't going to drastically decrease like it did in um, uh, Western society, because they don't have a framework for it, like we specifically set up a framework for the secularization and, and separation of church and state and stuff like that. Um, I know like we're kind of diving into like kind of spirituality. So like, I kind of want to hear what everyone's kind of like spiritual ideas of life are. Uh, Taylor hasn't jumped in a while, so I'll have Taylor go first. Okay. Well, I feel like on the topic of psychedelics and connecting that to spirituality, in my experience, <laughs> talking to people who have done psychedelics, 
it's kind of like a segue into spiritual thinking because, you know, I've heard that it's very much like you are connected with everything around you. You are one with the universe and everything that the universe is like. It's not necessarily that there's a universe and then there's you. It's that you are the universe. And I think that kind of thinking is very much a product of psychedelic use. So with that being said, like, I've had these experiences talking to these people who have done psychedelics. And I feel like it's kind of reflected on my own perception of spirituality. And now I start to understand how they feel so connected with everything, you know, like, Personally, I do consider myself a pretty spiritual person. I think I'm here on this planet experiencing life as a human, if that makes sense. Like, that's like my purpose here is just to experience life as a human. I thought you were here experiencing it as a frog. No, for real, dude. (laughs) But um, I just, I feel like I recently realized I had the most spiritual conversation of my life on the floor of my bathroom on a Friday night in Isla Vista with one of my really, really close friends. And I realized that I'm a new soul. And I just like, it was just, it was incredible. Like during this conversation, we were in there for like literally like an hour and a half just talking and meditating and crying because everything we were saying just felt so real. And in that moment, like I was able to distinguish between the ego and the higher self which is something I've never done before. I've, I know what the ego and higher self are, but in this moment, I realized that my ego is the reason that I've been anxious in the past, but my higher self is this new soul that's put on earth to experience everything, just, just to experience it, you know, like the highs and lows, all of that that comes with it. So after this conversation and after like talking to all my friends about like their experiences on psychedelics, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of spirituality spirituality and i really want to continue to explore that and see how it can affect my life <laughs> clap clap, yeah, clap. mini clubs or lincoln lincoln you want to <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah as lincoln you want to go next just talk about spirituality a little yeah bit? uh in my experience like i don't know too many people that have done psychedelics but um i mean for me i'd consider myself like not atheist but i do believe in like higher power my dad himself Deist. You believe in a god, but you don't. Okay, deist, deist. deist. Um, but my dad actually, he considers himself Taoist, which is basically, yeah, it's basically like um, how animals and us human beings and like every living thing is like connected by the universe and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't done too much like deep dive into Taoism, but like I have like a broad idea about it. But personally, I. I believe there's like a higher power. There might be an afterlife, but that's kind of it when it comes to spirituality for me. Yeah. Uh, I also kind of had the same conversation with Remy. Like I kind of believe in like the idea of like the egg theory. And so I fucking love the egg theory. I feel like I've already told everyone what this is, but I'm going to just say it again for the podcast. But basically it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg, you know, what came first you or God. So basically like, God God puts you on the earth as, like, a soul, but, like, he could put you, like, anywhere in history. Like, say, like, I don't know, I the, the first time he ever reincarnates me, I'm, like, a Roman in ancient history, whatever. And so I go through life, and then I become more enlightened after that life, and then when I die, I meet God again, and then he sends me back. But eventually, I'll go through, like, all the lives of everyone, so my soul is you, 
I'm Taylor. I'm Remy. I'm 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 everyone. But it's just like different soul going we through are different stages. All different iterations of the same soul. Uh huh. We're yeah. different chapters in the same exactly. soul's life, and, and we're just all doing it that's over so and over interesting. again. And eventually, once you become so enlightened, you just there's no need to be put back. So you mm-hmm. just become God. You are God. That's a very spiritual theory right there, because that's exactly like that ties into what you were talking about too, Lincoln. Like what you call it, theism. Taoism, Taoism, that ties into Taoism completely because I feel like we are connected with everything because we're this same soul that's being reincarnated over and over until we become God, you know, like it's so fascinating to think about that. And then that just, sorry, I know you want to jump in, but that just kind of makes me think that the people you attract in your life are reflections of these souls that you need to experience because you are kind of everybody you attract, you know, like I feel like in each person you meet, there's a reflection of you. And at that point, it might be something that you need to see and experience. And I just think that's really interesting because, you know, it's just all about the journey as a soul to be reincarnated. Once again, it's about what you can learn in each individual life. Mm-hmm. And, oh, sorry, did you want to, uh, I was just going to say like, and like, I watched this thing with Neil deGrasse Tyson, where he kind of explained how the universe works. And it kind of made me like, really feel like it was real, where he said, like, basically, Whenever the universe ends, it's going to either end like super cold death of the universe or super hot. But then like eventually like there's a chance for like another big bang can happen. So it's like, oh, that idea is like forever like exploding, coming back together for like infinity. And like like life has just always existed. Like we just can't comprehend that. It's like always been happening for like forever. Well, if you look at life and death as or, or life itself as a uh a, a, a dynamic state that is either on or off. It is a binary thing. You are either living or you are dying. And <clears throat> excuse me, throughout life, you go through multiple stages where you are living and dead. And this is a kind of an old spiritual view. I can't really, I don't know that it comes from a specific culture or belief system, but essentially at every junction in your life, at every point where there's a major change, for example, when you are a teenager becoming an adult, or when you get married, or when you have kids, there is an aspect of you that's dying and an aspect of you that is being reborn. So when you become an adult, and this may happen for some people never, some people never grow out of uh, a emotional adolescence. But once you grow out of emotional adolescence, you experience an aspect of yourself dying because you, your inner teenager is, is growing up into this adult, and that requires a death of a certain aspects of you. That requires the death of like, I don't know, a lot of teenagers will like be really angsty and hate the world. And I know that's a stereotype, but that certainly described me for the longest time. And now I see like within all of this ugliness that is the world that we've done, we're doing some pretty freaking amazing things too. Like we're for, for all of the good, there is bad. And I don't know that the the good can outweigh the bad, but you have to find the good and the bad. Otherwise, um, there's no hope. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, in Taoism, in Taoism, this like the 
I want to say like the symbol, I guess, is the yin and the yang, right? Where there's where's where there's the bad, there's a bit of good, but where there is good, there's a bit of bad. So that's kind of what I thought yeah. was tying yeah. into what you were saying. Absolutely, absolutely. And jumping back to what you were saying about the egg theory, um, in Buddhism, there's a similar concept of where you are reincarnated a bunch of times, and that process is called like the perfection of the soul. And once you, your soul is perfected, you're no longer reincarnated. Your energy is released into the universe and you move on. There's not really a, a frame, but one could postulate that the end of Buddhism is you become God or you become a part of God or something like that. And I'm obviously not a Buddhist scholar. So <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that I definitely am getting wrong here, but the the general idea of being able to to go through many different iterations of the self is very comforting but it's also something that we see what i was talking about earlier with off and on we're going through different iterations of the self within one life like humans are dynamic creatures we're not static creatures our brains possess enormous amounts of neuroplasticity or the ability to restructure and change themselves like there are studies of people who had to have half of their brain cut out because they had um, like really bad seizures, half their brain was damaged. They had to have half their brain removed and they were still functioning. And a few years later, they were able to speak and talk and walk and do all of the things that they were able to do prior to this surgery. Um, and we we really don't understand the full extent to which our brain is capable of these things, but we know that our brain is very highly capable. And so when people get stuck in these same patterns, they are becoming, they're, they're going against their nature as dynamic beings and becoming static beings. And that, at, at that point at which you stagnate your growth is, that is, I think to me, what depression is. Like that is what mental illness is, is, or at least what depression is when you are no longer able to continue your growth. And I think that there are people who think that they are perfectly content in their lives, that they are in, in their minds, they are happy. They're, um, they're buttering up this illusion of happiness in their mind that the things that they do are fulfilling enough to them that they're, um, that that's generating happiness. And if you are stagnant, you cannot be happy. That's my view. I love that perspective. And I really, I've never considered that before, but I think you're right. I think stagnation is the equivalent of depression because I've experienced something very similar to that. You know, like I had, I was going on this whole like self-growth journey right before I went off to college. Like I was really working on myself and focusing on myself. And I got to the point where I was great. Like I was just doing exactly what I wanted every day. I was just so content. And then one day I woke up and I was like, every day I am so content. What is happening? Like I'm like, it was almost like, I hate to say it, but like it was like boring. It was like frustrating and not fulfilling because I just felt like there was no growth going on. I was just still and stagnant. And even in that high, even when I felt like I was doing really good, it felt the same as depression because I was not growing at all. So it's like, because of that, like 
my mental health started to deteriorate because I was like, I, I'm happy right now, but I'm not actually happy. And now that I'm reflecting on this experience in the context of what you were talking about, it's because I wasn't growing. It's not that I wasn't happy. I was just in a state of stagnation. So I think that's a really interesting thing that you... Yeah, that's super yeah. cool. And to bring it all back to psychedelia, this is the case for psychedelics, is when you are in that place, when you're stuck and you're stagnant, and you think you're content with that stagnation even, you need to switch up something in your life. You need to change something. And so what psychedelics do is they manually change the inputs of your brain. They shake it up. They make it weird. They, they shake make it up. <laughs> they make it all, all sorts of crazy things that you never could experience without them. And that is sometimes enough on its own without anything else to break the 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 cycle that is depression, to break these 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 self-destructive patterns that these people get into. And I think that case for psychedelics is really compelling. What was it? Uh I'm just going to like kind of change it up a little bit. Um I don't know. We were talking about like future a little bit. I was like thinking, oh, like talking about like future tech and stuff like that, like <laughs> oh, shit. stuff in the future, but also kind of like with like emotions and stuff. Uh, mm. So like I saw this thing online. I don't remember where, but it was like, oh, like there's a there's a chance that we'd be able to send like emotion, like actual emotions through text. Oh shit! So like like say like how you send someone an emoji of like. Like a like a laughing emoji, right? Yeah. But instead, like you would actually be able to send someone like how you're actually feeling, and someone would be able to actually like feel <laughs> the emotion that you're in. Like I feel like that would solve so many problems in the world. You know, oh, just like I agree. Say, That's so interesting. Like, if I'm like angry at someone, and like I could send them how I'm actually feeling, and they'll be like, oh, my, like I I understand how you feel. Like, wouldn't that be really well, trippy? Yeah. No, I know. Like I've had the experience. Like I've text someone something. And they interpret it in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. But when you when you add like that, wh- what you were saying about future tech, the emotion through the text, like that would like be game changing. It would just mm-hmm. like fix just a whole bunch of problems. Because like when you're texting, you don't see the person and you don't see their reaction or their their physical mm-hmm. state and emotions and all that. But like like I said, I've sent texts where I'm either like pissed off or like this, that, the next thing, and they just don't uh, they don't understand how I'm feeling. That's and, really interesting. And there are plenty of linguistic um, uh, reviews of this that are like, basically, body language makes up so much more of what we constitute as language. And, oh, for sure. And for sure. What we constitute as, as conversation. Like, my body language, my, uh, like, I talk with my hands a lot. That adds a lot <laughs> to the conversation. Um, or I, like, my facial expressions, that adds a lot to the conversation like to the extent that even i i studied sign language for a year um sign language as a language it's not just the hand signs it's also your facial expressions and your body language and like it is as complex as spoken language because there are so many other aspects to language that we just don't even consider when we're when we simplify things to a text or an email or yeah a snapchat or whatever going back to like the whole concept of sending emotions through text that 
first of all, that is wild. Like, I thought you were going to say, like, we should send smells. Like, because I want my friend to smell my candle over FaceTime. Like, I can't believe they can't smell my <laughs> that candles. That would be abused. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyway, anyway. Oh, my but, God. Um, I could totally fart Dutch into oven. a phone. Yeah. I could totally <laughs> fart and send it to someone. Oh, my God. That'd be so funny. The whole concept of sending your emotions through technology, that had me thinking two things. First of all, that could connect people all across the world. Because in long-distance relationships, the thing that makes people break up is because they don't they can't really communicate in the way that they do in real life and they don't have that sense of intimacy that comes with like hanging out with your like significant other and like fucking like cuddling on them and all that shit like you don't have that intimacy over long distances so if you can send your emotions through text like that will connect people all across the world i'm sure we would start to see like a bunch of different relationships form that honestly never could have. So that's the first thing I thought when you said that. But the second thing is like, what's the point? Like, cause I feel like it's that'd just, be really cool. It's just, yeah. I understand it, but like it almost defeats the purpose of really seeing who you're talking to and really spending time with them. Because if you're doing all of this through technology, it's like technology almost overpowers genuine human interaction. And I feel like that is something that is horrible. Like, I feel like we should never overpower genuine human interaction. And because of that, I feel like, I don't know, man, I feel like technology should just kind of chill out for a bit. <laughs> yeah, like, genuine almost, human interaction is way more important. Well, it could you, almost make it addicting. You also, exactly. And you also have to think about how that technology could be weaponized. Ooh. Like, how it could be hacked. <laughs> yep, like, yep. imagine you're giving a major <laughs> speech. Like, you're imagine you're the fucking president of the United States and... Someone texts you a, a <laughs> hacked code and you just start coming all over the stage. Dude, that or would something be wild that would... like that. Like, dude, I'm... you have to think about that could happen with an emotional chip implant that's that's releasing all these n- neural <laughs> compounds. Dude, imagine like, like, cy- <laughs> cyber sex. Yes. That would be literal dude, cyber this sex. Is straight what, up what would, player. What? What? No, that's literally like fucking like ready, ready player, player one. one. Yeah, ready that's what I'm trying one. to say. Yep. Exactly. No, it's. Man. It's. There's there's a lot of danger that comes with, like, I, I listened to an interview with a futurist, um, which is someone who makes their career about predicting the future, and he's oh. pretty damn accurate. It was on um, Simpsons um, Star Talk, which is Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast, and he talked about how we're going to eventually re- reach escape velocity, which is um, in, in terms of of. Uh, human lifespan, we will eventually, based on the progress that we've been making, we've we've been able to increase human lifespan by a percentage of a year, every year that has gone by, right? So like say human lifespan has increased 10% this year, so you'll live 10% longer than you would have if you died this year. Um, which is a, a, an astounding figure, but we're getting pretty close to the point at which in a few decades we will get more than a year for every year that we're working at this technology. So we'll reach what's called escape That's, velocity yeah. where we will eventually be able to sustain our life for an indefinite period of time. I don't think that's a good thing. And I think the whole purpose of life is to die. Like, nothing has any meaning if you're just going to be here forever, you know? Well, it's not that you don't have the option to die. It's that you have the option to extend your life for another hundred years if you want. 
but like eventually that's I that's obviously guess. not the reality today and isn't going to be the reality tomorrow or in a decade but it might be in Two half decades. a century yeah, but oh. for eight for eight billion people like all that food's oh, going around fuck. so damn quickly and overpopulation because overpopulation and, is already well you have to think issue. you have to think that a lot of people don't want to do that like I, I brought that up, and the three of you all said, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, I think I would do it. Oh, I just think it, it sucks. Oh, like, okay. Well, okay. I would increase, do it, and I'd feel bad for myself. Wait, or for not what? bad for myself, but it's, like, selfish. Like, but, I feel like but the natural about, way of things does not say that any... But, but think about what the natural way of things has been before modern technology. The natural way of things is that half of every human that ever existed never made it longer than 10 years of their life because infant and child mortality rates were so high for the majority of human history. Like, this is the natural progression of how humans will approach technology, is that we always want to, we want to live longer, we want to live in more comfort, and we want to um, increase our capacity to, to work, think, to, th to yeah. do things with our mind. I think if we were able to accomplish that in a way that is sustainable and not detrimental to the planet, then it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. But, like, the planet can only hold so many people. But maybe we'll expand Mars or some shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll be up there with Elon, <laughs> Elon Musk, like, Elon's drinking on margaritas on a beach. It. You know, like, it's what's kind of, like, sad that I saw the other day, like, just think about, like, living longer, like... The more we live longer, like, the later you have to, like, retire in life because I'm seeing all these <gasps> videos of people, like, they're so old now and they, like, retire to, like, 60. Well, and they're living to, like, 80, 90, 100 and, like, they don't have enough money. That and they're having to go shit. back to work because they can't That doesn't have to be it. the case, though. Like, that's, that's largely the case in America. But in a lot of other countries, that's, like, in European countries, people are still retiring pretty young. Mm -hmm. And that's because of a lot of the social systems that they have set up and, and, their higher taxation rates um but like realistically we have enough food to feed all the people on earth we just don't have the means to get it there mm -hmm. and we have certain ideologies that say hey you should have to pay for this which which in i'm hoping that in our lifespan we will see People saying no, we no longer have to pay for things. We are, we are. There is so much that, yeah, there will be some form of currency, but it won't necessarily be money. Like we will, we will. Sex for money. <laughs> Just prostitution becomes legal again. That'd yeah. be pretty lit. Or <laughs> I, I would be a male gigolo. And hundred p. Realistically, I, I don't think what I'm describing is going to happen because of the course of history and, and the course of human desire and kind of the way that we've interacted with society for thousands of years. But I think that once we reach a point of excess, when there is so much excess and so many people are still dying, like kind of how we are now, how people are starting to get outraged, it's only going to get worse when shit gets worse. Yeah. When the, cause the wealth gap is growing. The, the the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And that's only going to keep happening unless if we change the systems in which that happens. Uh, yeah, I don't really know if that's going to happen. It's just been like that for history. Although, yeah. as much as we hope for that. Um, yeah. But also, I kind of want to go back into future tech because I really yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I'm I, down for future tech. Like, uh, like, 
uh, Cyberlink? Is that or Neuralink? Neuralink. Neuralink. Like oh, that shit. shit. Like I have a it's feeling a, everyone's gonna be getting that. Um, it's what, a, it's what? a brain implant. That and Elon Musk is making. Elon Musk is making. And you can you can do things like control. Um, as of right now. It's it's not doing much. It's been mm. implanted in a monkey's brain, and he's used it to play pong. And that's I think with his brain, <laughs> with he his brain, pong with his brain. It's pretty <laughs> like phenomenal. The, the it's pretty like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's but what they so funny. what they think that Neuralink is eventually going to be is having all of the access that your phone has internally in your brain. So so instantly being able to access the internet. Instantly being able to access all of human knowledge. So there's just that Wi-Fi makes in me... your head, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Okay. I have a thought. <laughs> First of all, what the actual fuck? Like, <laughs> also, like, second, like, so I'm just thinking about Futurama right now. Like, at one point, <coughs> at what point are you still human if you have all of the knowledge of the entire internet? in your brain and you're also living for a hundred fucking years and you can expand your life. Like at what point do you go from human to something else? Because I feel like we are pushing what natural is. We're pushing it in technology like that. It almost pushes it too far. Like, what do you think if you have access to all of that information, how is that going to affect society? How's that going to affect schools and like the progression of but think Fucking about society. Like, the, what do you think? That's the same thing that people said when we first got computers, when we first <laughs> invented the internet. That was the first thing that people said when they had books. Why do we need books when we can tell each other stuff? <laughs> right? Real. Like, yeah, let's go true. back to that. That's, that's people have always been afraid to change, but I think that that's the wonderful thing about the human condition is that we're always able to adapt to the new circumstances that we're put in. Not always. I shouldn't say that. For the most part. The human humans will adapt to great lengths to stay alive and to thrive in new environments. If you put someone in an entirely new environment, it doesn't work. But if you gradually increase the technology along with, like as long as we're evolving right along with the technology, or we're learning with the technology, I think we'll be able to adapt too. It's the same thing that people are saying with AI. Yeah, like, I was going to mm-hmm. say, let's talk like, about AI. What happens when AI takes all our jobs? Well, we've been saying that about... <laughs> we say fuck, and then we, we walk away. <laughs> well, but we've said that, we said that about machines. How, yeah. Like, during the Industrial Revolution, there was this paper, I think it was like the New York Times or something, one of those big papers that was like, we're rapidly approaching the rate at which machines will outnumber man, and... <laughs> This Futurama. is this is so dangerous, but machines outnumber us now. Oh, already, but mm-hmm. not in an intellectual way. Like there's still just a thing that we use that we manipulate. But, but let's that's talk all that, about AI. But what happens when it's not a thing that we use and manipulate? What happens when it's a thing that manipulates us? Because honestly, we already kind of see this in social media. Like social media is designed yeah. to captivate you. Like we are the product. And that is, we are the product. It's so no, true, literally, it's like so true, that's the thing. Like we don't even realize the influence that social media has on our lives, and that is just like not even like scraping the surface of what artificial intelligence can become in the next hundred years. Like, yeah, I but have I mean, no idea how this is going to affect society. I think it's it's not going to affect society any more drastically than it had than any 
technological revolution has up until this point. Like we may see some advances and we may see some drops in employment, but we've seen that after many of these revolutions. And then we need more manpower for people to maintain the servers that the AI is working on or to program new AI because we don't have AI yet that can teach itself new things. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair Fuck that. That'd be so scary. Not like what I... <laughs> ex machina building its own brain. Fuck. But and and there is a point at which AI intelligence will pass human intelligence. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Easily. But that's not them. necessarily the end of the world. Like <laughs> AI intelligence arguably already has passed human intelligence. And that's that's a debate that I, I'm not equipped to have. Yeah. But quite frankly, the the distinct human input that we put in i think will always be useful mm-hmm. like i know you wanted to no yeah that. i just wanted to mention something about like the ai art like oh, the, like yeah. all over all over tiktok like you've seen like mm-hmm. like the the ai just like you take a photo and then it just like automatically generates like a whole like not like different image but like what the ai thinks yeah. is what the image is like mm-hmm. i've seen just like the funniest stuff like pop yeah. up on these like AI art things. Like um there's there's one image. Um I I don't know where I heard this from, but like PETA was suing this one guy that took an you know that one monkey image? There's like that uh, one there's a lot of monkeys. The yeah, one monkey lot, image. Oh, there's not oh, just one oh, monkey I gotta, image. I gotta pull this up. But to but, the point that humans are gonna be replaced by this, like we don't see artists being replaced by yeah, AI, AI engines. Well maybe. Well no, I mean like I but but to the extent that human art still exists in a major way, that, that human input is still required for these AI machines to work. Like, they can't just generate art by themselves. They can't, they can't generate their own, like, their own samples. What, the to, AI? Yeah, we, we, the AI can't say, okay, I'm going to make 100 art pieces today and I want to do these things. Like, it's not conscious in that sense. Ooh, question. What happens when they become conscious? Like, do you well, think AI is ever going to actually be, like, aware of itself? And then, like, this is, like, the reverse of what I was saying before, like, how we won't become human. Like, do you think if a robot... I'm really... I can't get Futurama out of my head right now. Do you think if a robot is aware of itself, then it suddenly has rights and it's, like, a being? I don't think... I think just the fact that we have a brain and we have, like, chemicals, like... Humans act a lot on impulse and, like, different stuff that happens to their brains. Like, computers can't really, like, you know, like... We will always happens, be distinct from these machines. Yeah. I was just going to say they don't have a soul. Like, if, if AI yeah. were we to learn... <laughs> <laughs> like, say, like, I don't know, I can't hit a computer and then it'll be, like, all angry at me, you know? Like, well, yeah, say but, someone hits me, like, there's a chance I could be angry, I could laugh it off, I could cry. But they like, said it that, depends, but, like, how, like, what's been happening in the they past. They said to me. that about other races, like, 50 years ago. <laughs> other races? Yeah, like, like, white people said that about other races of people. Like, we've, we've been abusing other races of people for most of human history, and now we realize that that's not okay, <laughs> so right? We, and I'm not, I'm not saying that that is equivalent to what's going to happen with AI, but it may be. Or with these machines, but it may be. So like, you're, you're assuming, like, AI is just going to, like, gain, like, behavior consciousness. and con- consciousness. I think that if it does, it it's not going to take over. I don't think that it's going to conquer us. I think that human <laughs> input and 
AI, like the AI, I think is smart enough or can understand that human input is necessary for the AI, like human maintenance and human programming is necessary to fix the AI. It's necessary to improve the AI and all, all like, I think that we will evolve. It's possible that we evolve a codependence with AI. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. I've, but I, mean, I, I, I feel don't like that's think, already happening. Yeah. I, but I don't think that it's going to take over. I think that we'll, we will adapt to it in the way that we've always adapted to new mm-hmm. revolutions. I mean, I feel like if AI were to actually gain consciousness, I feel like, like we wouldn't, like, I don't know, say, like, I don't know where I was going with this, but I just feel like it just wouldn't be able to equate to, like, humans. Yeah, like, I get that. Well, I like, think, they could say they have feelings, but like we don't, we wouldn't actually be able to tell. Well, them. as oh, was oh. as Remy was saying, we were saying this kind of shit about other races fifty years ago, right? <laughs> <I> <laughs> have, <laughs> but that's also because humans have just forever like, if something they don't like, then they attack it. Yeah, you know, if there's a bear and it's being scary to well, them, they'll attack uh, it's, it. It's it's anything <laughs> that has changed from the status quo. Anything uh-huh. that they don't know how to deal with, the first instinct is either fight or flight. Yeah. And, and that's what they do. If you have, people- if you are powerful, your first instinct is fight. Yeah. And that's kind of been the the telling story for yeah humans. But I think that a lot of people are saying, "No, I won't use these AI technology. This that's flight. That's running away from the problem." There are people that are saying these are novel tools that humans will use in the same way that we've used tools for thousands of years because an AI right now is just a a tool to browse what humans have done. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's a compilation of human input. It's, it's able to do it really quickly and better than any human ever could, but it's not doing something that is distinctly new. Blake, you said something that got me thinking, and I kind of want to steer this conversation in a little bit of a different direction, but sorry, I'm like geeking out. Awesome. <laughs> Hold up. So you said if the AIs become conscious, how do we even know if they can actually feel these things? Well, how do I even know that you guys can even feel these things? Like <laughs> That's called solipsism. And now, <laughs> like, nah, nah, no, that's what I'm thinking. Well, oh, okay, that's I, not what I'm thinking. But, like, I, I just that. know, yeah, I just have, like, one thought. Like, AI and the mechanisms of our brain, like, I wonder if there's any sim- similarities. Like, what if, what if, okay, let's say, hypothetically speaking, this is a simulation. We are just AI. Mm-hmm. Like, what if AI gets to the point where we are now? And like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like the way that our brains work, the chemical impulses is similar to electrical impulses within computers and stuff. Like, I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there. What were you going to say, mean, Blake? That's true. Uh, I've completely- Simulation. Oh, yeah. So I, like, exactly. I, I have one thing that like totally made me believe that I was in a simulation, like 100%. I was like, we're in a simulation, but like, I don't know if it's. Why don't true. you share? What was well, it? What one, is it? Well, well, this also happened within the span of a week. So, one, this kid uh, that was on my old water polo team, he sent me a video. He goes, okay, now I know we're in a simulation. And you sent me a video, and there was only like a palm tree just like in the middle of the sky. Like what the fuck? Like straight up just recorded a video of like a palm tree in the sky. I was like, uh, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen ever. 
But like, I was like, there has to be some sort of explanation. I was like, there's no yeah. way there's just a palm tree hanging there. But then one time I was hanging out alone in my front yard, sitting by the fire. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm just, I was just looking up at like the moon and the stars. And I was just like, oh, like, I'm just, I'm chilling out. And all of a sudden it looks like, like, it looked like a door opened <gasps> in the sky. What and it was like fuck? bright blue light. Like, what the like, have you ever seen, like, see like, you know, when like rays of light come through something, yeah. Yeah. it looked like rays of light, blue light coming through the storm. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And I'm just looking and I go, I should take a fucking picture of it. And I took a picture of it. You, do you have the picture? I, it's in my phone. I have the picture of it somewhere. Wow. And it was the trippiest thing ever because it was literally like square in the middle of the sky and it looked like light was coming through. And I was like, oh, okay. Now like now that, I know. Like that one uh, that one scene in Chicken Little where the sky's falling. <laughs> <laughs> no, like straight. Like literally I was just looking at the sky. I was like, that is a, a door in the sky that opened up. And I was like, and I am looking at it right now. It was a solid like five minutes. And I was like, I should take a picture of it. And then I took a picture of it. And it was the trippiest thing I've ever experienced. You guys show That's this so crazy. Yeah. And I wasn't drunk or high or anything. I was dead sober. Like Dang. just looking up in the sky and this thing just yeah. pops out. And I like I don't have an explanation for it. Like Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean you can't exp- Oh my god, that's fucking crazy. My thinking surrounding simulation behavior or or whether or not we're in a simulation is like the purpose of a simulation is to generate novel outputs is to do something unexpected or interesting right so that people would want to watch the simulation or so that people would want to interact with the simulation so (laughs) the way that the way that we can prevent our simulation from being shut off is just by doing what we do best is, <laughs> is just being interesting and doing novel things and, and cool. continuing to learn and grow and better ourselves as a species, which I think is really promising. And I think that's a, a really great way to look at it. Right. Like, what were you going to say about that? I was going to say, like, I just watched the Truman show like two days ago. Oh, I love that and movie. Totally so trips me the, out. <laughs> like the idea of the Truman show is like this guy was bought by like this literally as a baby was bought by a television company and they they surrounded this whole entire city in like a dome and the whole entire his whole entire life like growing up he was a tv show Mm -hmm. and like they had hidden cameras literally everywhere like they said they needed like the budget of like a small government to like do the tv show and it was the most watched tv show of all time and like this his whole entire life he was in this simulation or like simulation he was in a fake reality and his like his yeah. whole entire life was a lie and everything was set up for him and just like like that whole thing like imagine if it's like that like yeah, yeah like that or blue have door you seen, you saw have you seen free guy outside it's so scary have any of you seen free guy i like free guy yeah so that in in that movie the premise is that an ai gains consciousness and that the way that they event- eventually Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. Go see it first. It's really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Too late for spoiler yeah. alert for Truman Show. Um, but, oh, yeah. Dude, but it's basically, <laughs> the, the resolution of the movie is that these AI are given a planet, a space, a virtual space to interact and grow on their own and people can just tune in and watch it oh, and it's a really neat. popular video game but it's not a, it's not a game because you're not putting in inputs. It's a sim, it's, it's a simulation. It mm-hmm. could be what we're living in now. So what I was, when you were talking about something earlier, I had a thought, like, hold up, what was my thought? It was something about religion. What if, oh, so let's say that this is a simulation and there is like some 
input or whatever that's like creating all of us to do this right now as a computer would like play the sims or some shit like you turn on the computer press play blah 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 if this is a simulation that explains religion in the sense that all across humanity since like the beginning of time people have always found religion and always have found a god in many different shapes and forms like the fact that this is like a universal thing across cultures through all of time like that's not a coincidence and i don't necessarily know what that means but it's always fascinated me and i feel like if this is a simulation that explains the universe universal universality <laughs> fuck you know what i'm trying universe. to say exactly that it explains like this universal thing as a god because it's just a fucking simulation mm-hmm. dude yeah. but yeah i saw this thing i think it was i don't know if it was elon musk or not but it was like he was saying like oh yeah there's like a 50 50 chance for like real or in a simulation yeah was that Elon Musk? Right? I don't remember I don't exactly There's what he said. A bunch of people who have said that. But they Probably were like, Kanye, too. They were like, <laughs> he was like, listen, he's like, right, like, it was either like, right now we are the universe. It was like, this is what it is. It's like, either we are the universe right now, that's going to create, like, you know, like this game, The Sims, like, yeah. you're either going to be the gen- the one that creates like, you're a simulation. You're either the genesis or you are a link in the chain. Yeah. So you are either the one that created the simulation. Or you're in the simulation and you're creating another simulation. Like There's you're you're either you're There's one a great of those. Episode of Rick and Morty about this. So you're 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 one or the other, and that's like like that's kind of trippy. Like like if like and yeah. what are like if we were to create like a simulation, they were fully conscious. Like we created like a game like that, and they are fully conscious. Like what do we do from there? Like how do we mm-hmm. treat them? What do we do? Like. Do we like update the game like with more stuff? Do we just let them be like, like what would be like the know. the the right thing to do? It's like you're creating life. You're literally like if you yeah. create life, like what do you do? You know what, what that reminds me. That reminds me of a specific song. That it's just it's a really deep song. It's well, like wait one second, ahead, one second. Go ahead, go ahead. It's this song and it goes, "Did God personally ordain us? Is God personally ordaining every move or did he just set us an action to see what happened? And that just kind of reminds me of it because it's just it's just the morality of that. Because if you personally ordain every movement that these hypothetical humans in your little simulation are doing, like that's just so much responsibility. So I feel like it's more likely that like we were just set in action, you know? That's that's what I believe, too. Like, whatever happened, it just set us in action, and here we are, just, like, fucking rocking out, doing podcasts and shit, but, like, we were set <laughs> yeah. in action, like, so long ago, and here we are. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, a theory that's been echoed throughout cultures throughout time. Like, there are Jewish scholars from thousands of years ago that, that there's God is a clockmaker analogy, which basically means that, that God is... God created the clock that is the universe and he wound it and now it's running okay guys well it's almost been an hour so i just wanted to say thank you guys so much for coming on the pod uh, i would actually sorry i would actually I say this that. is I one of that this is one of like my favorites that i've done so far like i felt like it flowed very well we talked about so a lot good. of cool stuff so just want yeah, to say seriously. thank you again yeah. happy uh, new year's everybody thank you for having us happy new year's even though it's happy already new been year's. six days <laughs> we're in the new year um do you guys want to shout out anything like give any good final messages Ooh. to the world like your final you know message what? shout out my mom just because like my mom's great like she's great just shout out my mom um 
shout out people who are doing mental health research because they're fucking heroes. Fact. Shout out to Blake for having us. Yeah, shout here. out to Blake for having oh, us. Oh shit, Thank yeah. You. Yep. Dude, and, thanks uh, for having shout us. Shout out for of everyone course. that's on like self-care and just like self-improvement. Yeah. Um, I respect that. Shout out to everyone who made it this far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess my message is like try to cut out everything negative in your life because there's no reason oh, for negativity. Yeah. Like if something's negative in your life, yes. just like you gotta ghost your problems on good ghost, ghost your problems or you know handle them in a mature way but that works uh, too ghosting <laughs> is the more preferred way <laughs> okay oh well God. again thank you guys uh, for everyone listening or watching uh, if you could leave some sort of rating leave a like leave a comment do whatever to show your support subscribe you monkeys <laughs> do, do that too uh, thank you guys for coming on um Hope you guys enjoyed, uh, and have a good day. Thank you. Later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>